Hey folks, welcome to a podcast about Catholic things. This is Eric, your ambassador of common sense, and I'm here with... Dan, your ambassador of nonsense. And uh, we have our beer of the week this week. This time it's Two Brothers Artisan Brewing in Warrenville, Illinois, and the beer is Pinball, Juicy Hop Pale Ale. Um, Why is it juicy? And I think... Well, I think juicy because the the hops that they chose are going to give it a um, little bit of a, a fruity, citrusy type flavor. Uh, I don't think they actually add any citrus to this one, but just those are the, the kinds of hops they choose. But, you know, I think this will be a fairly light one. Um, yeah. It's a, I mean, it's uh, uh, the alcohol is only 4.9%. Um the IBU, which uh, we talked about last week, is, uh, I don't know if it's That's International bitterness? bitterness Unit. That's the bitterness. Oh. It's I, it's either International or Imperial Bitterness Unit. I forget which one it is. But that's only 31, which is a, a fairly moderate. Um, you were supposed to find out how they do that. I was, and I didn't yet. All right. <laughs> I've been pretty busy at work. So, anyway... Um, I think this one is going to be a, a fairly, like, uh, variation, you know, close to mainstream, but, but with just a little bit of variation. Might almost have a crisp kind of uh, a feel to it. I don't know. I haven't tried it yet. You this haven't is tried one, it This yet. is my first time having this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So I'm unfamiliar with this one. So anyway. Uh, well, I can tell cheers. you it's tolerable. <laughs> I, I guess I... See, I don't even like beer. So um, I oh. would... I would, well, that's too bad. You used to like beer. I used to like beer a lot. You know, see, I had this friend who worked at Sam Adams, and yeah, um, he was. It, it's anyone who works at Sam Adams. I think they get like four cases of beer per month or something like that for free. But holy cow! Maybe it's only one case. I don't know. The thing is, either way, he worked uh, in quality assurance. And he was actually like a supervisor there. So he didn't just uh-huh. get the normal amount of free beer per month. He got pretty much everything he wanted, you know? I mean, he could wow. he could fill up his car every day, which he yeah. often did. And he would uh, – my house was on his way home. So a lot of nights so I would come home <laughs> and I'd see Sam Adams, uh, whatever, sitting on my doorstep and uh, – so I just always had a lot of Sam Adams beer, which uh, I developed a taste for. But I don't, you know what? When my kids got into got to be teenagers and they started getting into my beer, and st- I mean, Uh-oh. different parents deal with that different ways. I just stopped buying it. So okay. there's none in the house, so you lost the and taste I just kind of lost the taste for any beer. I see. I see. Man, you got a lot of. I hope that's not coming through on the recording. There shouldn't be any. No, I, oh. I'm not seeing anything on the recording. Okay. Because yeah, I'm not hearing anything either. You must be getting it. Yeah, about every stuff that I'm not. 10 seconds, I'd say. 20 seconds, I hear a loud beep. Oh, well. Huh. I'll work around it. It's definitely not in the recording. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you think of this beer? On my end. Uh, you know, I. Um, you never actually say whether or not you like them. <laughs> well, the KBS, I definitely liked. And the um, the one uh, so what was the f- the first beer we did? It wasn't the sour. Um, I I forget I, what it. I don't know. 
I think we did an IPA on one of the first ones, and I liked that. Yeah. Um, but but this 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 is okay. Um, it's to me, it's not as beery as I like a beer to be. I like a beer to have um, a strong, you know, either hops or malt uh, profile to it. I like it to to have that. Yeah. Um, that flavor in in fullness, and of course, it has to be balanced with the other. So, you know, if you have a lot of maltiness, if you don't if you don't balance it with hops, it just tastes like syrup or, you know, yeah. it, so, but, uh, so it's, it's okay. Also uh, it's Sunday me. morning. And but you know what? It's hard for me to take it, beer on Sunday mornings. Oh, it's one, it's almost one thirty, Eric. Well, I got <laughs> you up. wake up so late, it's still Sunday morning. <laughs> well, I got up and go straight to mass and then I come home and then it's like, plus I was okay. up late last night. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is a beer that I would really enjoy as one of those, you just have a cold beer at the end of like being out all day working in the sun or something yeah. like that. It's, Mow it's your that lawn, kind of a flavor a for beer. me. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So call it lawn, it's a lawnmower beer. There you go. Yeah. Do you know that there's a, I don't know if I told you about this, There, there's a pub up in uh, Michigan I used to frequent uh, with Terry that was a, um, as a restaurant um, and it was an English pub. You know, there's lots of Irish pubs around, but there aren't many English pubs. Mm-hmm. And this was an English pub called the Red Coat Tavern. And they had quite an extensive uh, beer list. And they would have the different categories of beers. And the um, one of the categories, the one that they put the, the uh, American mainstreams in, was called Lawnmower Beer. Uh, not, not lawnmower beer, lawn, lawn chair beer. They call it lawn chair beer. Okay. Uh, anyway, the characteristic of lawn chair beer, the tagline under it was, uh, uncon- uncorrupted by flavor or uncontaminated by flavor or something like that along those lines. Yeah. So lawnmower <laughs> beer words, is a real thing. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. That's enough about beer. What, yep. Okay. So I... I'm not even sure how how to say what we're talking about today. Uh, I mean, I'm well, not going to say it the way... animal rights, uh-huh. but yeah, it... no, no, introduce the the situation okay. like you did to me, okay. and we'll just talk about it. So, um, I'm I'm sitting there on my couch, and all of a sudden, I hear this bird really loud tweeting, as if it's right next to my ear. And I look up, and in the corner of a window, uh, a bird had gotten through the screening somehow and had made a nest and had put some eggs and I think they were starting to hatch actually. So there's a, I mean, technically there's a bird inside my house. Um, so is this like in like between the glass and the screen right. kind of thing? Okay. Right. So I guess it's not in the house, but still, um, right. but no, yeah. And, uh, one of the boys said, where well, are you going to, are you going to throw it away and get rid of the baby birds? And I, I said no. And I kept thinking about that because I can't, I can't think of any kind of moral uh, objection to doing that. I mean, it, it's a sound thing to do to get rid of a bird's nest and any birds that are in it. But that are um, in your house, <laughs> right? But I, I, I'm convinced that it's better if my kids see me allow the bird to grow up and then leave that nest. And then I can take care of the problem and make sure that it doesn't happen next year. Yeah. 
Yeah, then you can get rid of the nest. And, and I don't know why right. that is. And I can't say that it's animal rights or anything like that. But there's something there. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, and, and you know, it's it's a... Um, okay, first of all, the, the even within the, the you know, just kind of without getting into any kind of tech, technicalities, without getting into Catholic aspect of it, okay? Yeah. Um, there's a... Um, there are no hard lines. There's a softness to it when it comes to this kind of stuff. So, for example, um, you you have it's a bird's nest, and yet and and so you're going to wait till the baby birds hatch and grow to a point where they can leave the nest, and then you're going to go ahead and get rid of the nest. Now, imagine if instead if it was a wasp nest, you wouldn't wait till the larvae hatch. No, <laughs> to get rid of the, he would crush it immediately. Yeah, get rid of it, kill them all. Um, so there's, there's one, there's that aspect of it. There's, you know, obviously some differences there, but, but there's even more. So this bird's nest happens to be, um, in a space that is, um, while you, you don't over the long term want to encourage birds to nest inside of the screen, um, or even necessarily in places like the eaves of your house and that kind of stuff. Um, it can be tolerated for a short time, but for example, if this through, through some kind of weird mishap, if this, if this, uh, had occurred in a space where the birds upon leaving the nest could as easily fly into your house as out of it, you probably would get rid of it. Right. And you'd probably patch. It's like, oh, yikes, there's birds coming in the house. It's a good thing they didn't just come in and and poop all over the kitchen and stuff. I got a story for you. Okay. Um, uh, it was, I guess I had one, two, at least three kids who were very young, one of them in diapers mm-hmm. and there's one younger than him. So I had one in diapers who was walking around and I guess another one still in like a walker and then slightly mm-hmm. above him, maybe a four or five year old who could talk and stuff. So, right. uh, I wake up in the morning, wife's not here. It's me. And these three kids, the other kids are at school and the middle-aged one walks in the room and he's got, he's made such a mess. Um, he has gone in his diaper and, you know, sometimes it goes down the legs and sometimes it goes up in the back. And this yep. is, this has gone every which way it could. It was everywhere. <laughs> so I freak out and I'm like, all right. You do that thing where you pick them up, but hold them as far away from your body as you can. Like to grab, grab them by the hands, so yeah. hold them out, take them outside. Say, okay, just stand there. I'm going to hose you off. Well, I didn't take them outside. I, I took them up to the bathroom, and okay, I had and a like in the tub or yeah, something. Yeah, I set them down in our clawfoot tub, or at least I'm about to send them down in the clawfoot tub. Out of the blue, this blackbird flies up into my face. Yikes! So now I got to drop your kid. No, I didn't drop it, but I him, but I almost did. So I, I go in the hallway, set him down, stay there, don't move. I go get a sheet and try to throw a sheet on top of this bird. It took me five minutes, but I finally got it. Took that outside, mm-hmm. let it go. Come back in, yeah. Take care of the kid, get him all changed, and. You know, I'm pretty worn out by this time. I sit down on the couch, kind of like a whew, it's over. Yeah. And my daughter walks in and she said, um, 
she said something and I'm explaining to her that I'd just gone through an ordeal. She wanted breakfast or something. I said, yeah, I was just, I had to clean up Sam and there was a bird upstairs. And she said, oh yeah, in the bathroom? I said, yeah, in the bathroom. She said, yeah, I saw it. I said, why didn't you tell didn't me? say anything. I said, why didn't you tell me? She said, you didn't ask. <laughs> Apparently, I have to ask about these things. Is there a bird in the house? Kids, anything I should know today? The birds come in the house. I love kids. That's hilarious. Always an adventure. Yeah. That's that's the oh man that's that's so funny. Okay, but in that situation, like, I threw the sheet over well, it. What? You know, I was going to say, that's that's a good point. So, like, you threw the sheet over it. If it had been, you know, a bug instead of a bird, you'd have just killed it and thrown it in the trash. Right. Or down the toilet or whatever. Or if um, it had been something had like, been... A, I think if it were a possum, I would have killed it. <clears throat> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Possums well, are... You know, they're nasty. There's, I, yeah. think, <laughs> I think we've discussed it. I think we've decided that possums were... It was like one of those DNA features that the devil got a hold of and warped. To make it created, a, not created, but yeah, yeah. It's like he. <laughs> I can't think of a you good know, that, thing they do. I, I I wish we had. You know, that would be something that if if uh, if we ever be, you know have the opportunity to have a, uh, a like a true uh, trained philosopher, like a a Thomistic philosopher, just to ask the question: Is it possible that there are animals in the world today that were that that exist because in the early days, before God kind of locked it down more, uh, a demon manipulated DNA to to come up with something right. that, that was just out of spite for the human race. Right. I, I I personally think bed bugs fall into that category, but bed you know, bugs, lice, cockroaches, <clears throat> and possums. I don't know. You know the cockroaches that that has me because there's so many different kinds of cockroaches, and it seems to me that that there are. They cockroaches seem to participate in the broader ecosystem, yeah, in at least ways that are useful to some other animals. That, that, well, that, it's for example, bed bugs don't. <laughs> it's the German cockroaches that infest houses, and oh, I wonder uh-huh. if this was uh, maybe payment for Hitler. Uh, we'll have to. <laughs> <laughs> See see when they came into existence. Yeah. yeah. Maybe nobody knew about them before then. Okay. So, but anyway, yeah, it's, I, I didn't feel at all. It's not just that I felt compelled to catch and release. I, I would have felt uh, guilty for catching and killing it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Even though the, the bird itself clearly doesn't have rights per se, like, people do right and and Um, you know what i should still feel an obligation i should mention here that it's not like look i used to go hunting all the time i've got yeah i've got at least 20 deer under my belt now i i don't hunt anymore because i'm too lazy to deal with all the meat but uh (laughs) i have been hunting i've killed squirrel and deer and uh turkeys so Mm -hmm. this isn't an uh, uh i'm too nice to kill something thing it's yeah, just a natural right. human uh tendency to just say i should treat this with some kind of 
uh, respect. Yeah, it's almost like like um, th- there are there. I don't know whether it's the type of animal or if it's the level of uh, like complexity of the animal and and the uh, the relatability of the animal. Because I mean, people keep birds as pets, for example. Right. Um, nobody keeps wasps as pets. Um, and stuff like that. But you know, I, I it's almost like there's something that that it's it's like it's not so much a that that the animal itself has rights, but that we don't want to waste a death. It's like okay, if I'm going to kill this animal for food or for its pelt for you know to make something out of, okay, but I don't want to waste the death of an animal. Right. Okay. You know. You know okay. Here's another situation that happened just last night. Um, the boys went out. We have this little uh, property on the Whitewater River. And uh, the teenage boys said, we're going to go out. We call it camp. We're going to camp. Yeah. Um, they went out to camp. About 45 minutes later, I get a phone call. They, at, at the campsite, there was this baby deer. Seriously? Yeah. And, and awesome. Like, they were... Like it was letting them pet it and stuff. Now, wow, it was laying down the whole time. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll put them on the website. Aside put, from put sending a couple them. on the website, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but see, they thought it had a broken leg because it wasn't standing. Oh, yeah. They thought something was wrong with it, and so they're mm-hmm. petting them and they're trying to decide what to do. Now, the adult thing here is just walk away from it. Either the mother yeah. will come back or the coyotes right. will get it. But yeah. because they're normal human beings, that doesn't seem like an option. And it's yeah. like uh, either put it out of its misery if it does have a broken leg or uh, there's always a temptation. And it's a temptation with me as well. Let's take it home and raise it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we would have... Uh, we would have the means to do that for at least six months. Your fenced yard, yeah, that could, until it got big enough to jump over our fences. Yeah, because it's a deer. You know, there was a uh, one of the frontiersmen here in America had found a deer and had raised it, um, and it was kind of it was a big thing in the territory. Everybody, you know, talked about it. So and I can't remember his name, but um, it eventually killed him. Oh wow! It was a male he raised. Yeah, ended up killing him. Yeah, so it grew antlers and stuff. Right, and it stabbed him, and he's dead. Wow! But it was nice before that. I wonder if it even knew what it was doing. If it, you know, was like one of those accident things, you know, like it's playing, you know, because yeah, it's. I mean, not not like an aggression thing, but just. But I mean, those two are getting a rut, and they're they're pretty violent. Oh okay, yeah. So uh, yeah, I know it's like something in our heads that might make it seem more human or have human characteristics that make us want to treat it better. And Mm -hmm. while I can't point to a specific law in the church that says, uh, don't, uh, that draws a line for us. I can say without a doubt that if you're torturing an animal, uh, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, there's, there's a difference between, using an animal for a, a purpose and which may result in the animal's death 
and torturing an animal. There's right. you know, that that idea of intending to cause pain. And uh, even go ahead. And and even uh, going beyond just using an animal, uh, like like my pet dog, I know that it I know that it does not feel love for us, but I, I'm okay with feeling love for it and. Mm-hmm. Doing things like, I, I know they don't experience pain the way humans do, but if I see it uncomfortable, I might uh, make it comfortable. Or even, I, I mean, we've given our dog pain meds. So it's, mm-hmm. um, in the wild, it wouldn't experience any of that. In the wild, it gets hurt and it either, it gets eaten by another animal because it can't run. Right. Or it or just dies. Recovers. Yeah. Or recovers. So there's there's something about even making an animal comfortable that we want to do that that isn't a bad thing yeah and i think there's a um you know the, the, the kind of looking at at um and and this is you know i i don't i don't know how much we 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 have talked about this um the, the, because there's the people think in a lot of people think in terms of of human behaviors and characteristics and activities um in terms of evolution um yeah i personally don't that much i you know i i um i i yeah i don't either you know i not because i think evolution is a challenge to faith but but just because knowing as much as i do about um about biology um it it uh it just seems too improbable that that uh that that's the kind of the 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 thing behind the mechanism behind it all right however um however there's there certainly has been a development of human society and anthropologists uh what when they look at um when they look for signs of early human existence in, you know, a region of the world or an area or whatever, you would think that, okay, what, what's, what's the first, you know, what, what are the things that they show as being indicative of the development of a sense of civilization among people, even if it's a small one, even if it's just tribal and you would think, okay, maybe tools or, or something like that, but it's not, one of the earliest signs that they have that shows the development of a civilization is a sp- splint for a broken bone. It's the idea of people making use of what they have to take care of other people. Those, that's the earliest sign ah. and the signs they look for for the development of civilization. And so there's even among anthropologists even probably atheistic anthropologists there's recognized this idea that something about us now they would they would say that it's evolution they would say we had to evolve this in order to survive as a species because somehow evolution deprived us of all of our natural gifts for um you know for mm-hmm. for survival and aggression and that kind of stuff we we can't uh, we can't go up almost against almost any uh, mammal um, 
and and hope to win. Right. <laughs> you know, we have no teeth, with, no without, claws, without no working, fur. Exactly, without working together in some way. And so we had to develop that civilization, that sense of working together, and therefore growing out of that. And, of course, we would say that it was naturally put into us in, in our creation by God, is this... Uh, idea of compassion this this capacity to uh experience the pain of somebody else uh at least in in some sort of proxy or sympathetic way that that seeing pain in others causes pain in us right uh now of course as you pointed out there's people who maybe torture animals they that 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 compassion switch is broken somehow. It's like reversed, like seeing pain in others causes, I don't know, some kind of weird perverse pleasure in them or whatever. But for the normal uh, case, for, for the sort of the standard template for a human being, seeing pain causes a, a sort of an echo of that pain in us, a, some kind of psychological discomfort that impels us that, that, uh, leads us to a desire to take steps to alleviate the pain, to mm-hmm. relieve the pain. And of course, then it goes beyond that. And like your situation with the, uh, um, with, with the, whether it's the blackbird or the, the nest of birds in your window or the deer uh, or the dog, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So it's not just that if we see the animals in pain, we, because we're capable of thinking abstractly and stuff, even when we see situations uh, we we sort of project the possibilities of of pain uh, through circumstance mm-hmm. onto animals, and then take steps to avoid those. Um, like for example, the you know throwing the birds away, uh, especially if they're not even hatched yet or just barely hatched. I mean, it would right. be you know, a, a, a couple moments of what would probably not even really register as pain on the part of the birds. Uh, the mother of the nest, you know, they, they instinctually care for their young, but it's not like they go through psychological anguish at the loss of their young or anything like that. And so there would, you know, if you analyze it coldly, there's really nothing about going ahead and throwing the nest away. And yet, You've got this instinct that says, no, I don't want to do that. I think that, and I think we should give into that and allow that to to flourish in us and encourage that in our kids because I think part of that is given to us as a an analogical way of understanding the redemptive work of Christ, the, the redemptive motive of Christ. So okay. he became one of us. You know, God created us. We rejected him. Uh, now we're in a state of of weakness and uh, inability to recover. Um, and we're headed for what is pain uh, in the eternal fires of hell. And God had compassion on us. He, even though, right. we, you know, it's impossible for God to actually experience pain within his divinity there's there's uh even when we reject him and offend him we say we offend god but that doesn't experience discomfort within god's divinity now we're talking about the second nature of jesus even 
Or the divine nature of Jesus. The divine nature, yeah, as the Son of the Father, yeah. As, so, as, you know, God person. as creator, you know, even having given create, you know, us as part of creation free will and us choosing that to reject him, that doesn't, that doesn't perturb his happiness. And yet he, some, in some sense that to us, we, we can only understand it analogically through our own experiences, but he had compassion on us and therefore became one of us to uh, pay the debt of, of, you know, our sins and actually and allow us to go to heaven. And actually feel what he could not feel before, the, the yeah. actual pain. Yeah. It's like he, the, the physical pain, exactly, the, and, and the mental anguish. It's, you know, God, God as, as in his divinity— could not feel the mental anguish of the rejection, but Christ in the agony of the garden, he not only agonized over what was coming, you know, his, his passion, his death on the cross and, and, and all of the suffering, um, you know, leading up to that, but the mental anguish of all of those throughout history who would refuse to accept the salvation that was being offered by that. Uh, that that sense of the waste of it um and so i think that you know if for nothing else even if we don't talk about uh whether we owe it to god to care for his creation or anything like that i think just for that reason as a way of coming to a better understanding or at least not an understanding but a realization of god's compassion for us that he really does have that compassion, that it's a real thing and that he's calling us to respond to it and turn back to him. I think that's one of the really valuable aspects of this kind of built-in sense that we have that we ought to do something to relieve the suffering even of mere animals. Yeah, it's like a... um, it's It's a way to take part in uh god's how do i say this um jesus became man out of compassion and by uh taking part in that compassion um we take part in uh jesus's divinity yeah in in the or at least in the we take part kind of analogically in the um, in in the incarnation, in a sense, the you know the um, because we we then help ourselves to gain that uh, um, that unity with his own motives yeah. and his own reasons. Now, I mean a lot. So what we've talked about so far, um, it, it's it's one of those things. Like you shed, said, it it should be encouraged in your kids and and of course one of the ways we do that is by say having a pet so that uh they can Mm -hmm. experience nurturing on something that isn't as important as a real baby things like that um right and it hopefully will develop in them that compassion so that it applies to uh not just animals but to other people um, but this is on a one-to-one basis is, you know, 
you can't do anything about, say, all the deer that have broken legs in the world or even right. go out or to the find them that, or, you know. Regardless of whether deer have broken legs or not, uh, you know, um, uh, wolves attack and, and kill and eat deer. Yeah. For example. And, and, and it's lions, violent. And it's you not, know kill antelopes and eat them and stuff like that. It's not even easy to watch, you know, in nature shows and stuff. And and yeah, but yeah. So when you're watching a nature show, you're sitting there rooting for that deer or that rabbit or whatever that's trying to get away. Even though if the rabbit gets away, then the lion or the wolf goes hungry and doesn't eat and really? maybe starves. I always rooted for the lion. Really. Yeah, I mean, like when you, you, I don't know if you remember, we used to watch Mutual of Omaha yeah. World Kingdom. Yeah, and you know, I, I was always, that I whole. was always like, like, I mean, it, it wasn't like a, a cruelty thing. Like I wanted the deer to suffer, but it's like, I don't know. I, I just saw, you know, I saw the, the completion the, of, of the natural order when, when the lion, you know, I, uh, well, you know what? It took down the deer from the herd or something. I don't know. It, I just always, in my head, like, it was always, it always depended. I, I want, like, okay, if I see a lion or a, an, a, a predator go after a rabbit it wasn't a big deal to me sometimes even the larger animals like deer but uh well if it's a baby that always bothered. Yeah. i always rooted for the the baby uh oh if it was a bit ba- yeah but yeah. I, you know it, it really depends on how sentient that animal seemed to be huh mm-hmm. like uh i'll watch the uh i watch nature shows all the time like Fifty percent of TV that I watch is nature shows. Um, no kidding. So when I see orcas going after, say, fish or something like that, then I root for the orcas. If I see them going after a seal, I root for the seal. Oh, no kidding. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe uh, I don't. I don't know or why a that penguin. is. Yeah, Even, a penguin. I would probably root for the penguin did, over the over the whale. Yeah, I do root <laughs> for the penguin. I don't like orcas. I think they're mean. <laughs> yeah. They're so organized in their hunts, and it's and it. Oh, are they? You don't. It seems like a whale shouldn't be that uh, intelligent. And but you know they're mammals. Yeah, and but it, it seems, um, it's always to kill something when they're doing these organized things. Yeah, it just okay. seems cruel. But I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I always, I always root for the prey. Most of the time. Yeah. Unless okay. it's small prey that doesn't matter. Like yeah. rabbits, because there's five billion of them. There's a billion. <laughs> or fish. Yeah, um, I mean, fish, they're plentiful, you know. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, where was it? Oh, okay. Okay, after we talk about things like pets and the good of pets and the good of going ahead and treating it, not necessarily like it's human, but that its pain somehow matters. Um, yeah, right. Then we talk about something like industrial uh, farming. Oh, like like okay, I, I know what you're talking about. Like 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 uh, you know, standard cage chicken uh, eggs versus free range chicken eggs, right. stuff like that. And and like cows that have been kept in a pen that's just barely large enough for the cow itself. And never mm-hmm. able to roam the countryside. Um, right, right. Again, I can't think of any kind of law or uh, 
moral guideline for this, but I, I, I try to buy organic whenever I can. And if I see free uh-huh. range, I will buy those instead of, um, unless I'm really short on cash. But the point is oh. that seems wrong to, to raise cattle that way. Or, and, and again, I, I just want to point out, it's not like, it's not like I'm some city boy. Well, we are city boys, but you know, we re- raised goats. Well, I've raised, raised chickens. Yeah, I've raised a number of different <laughs> farm type animals. Mm-hmm. And right. I understand what they're there for. I understand that these are just going to be meat or used to produce something, but it still seems, um, like not a good idea as a society to accept that form of, uh, raising animals. So, you know, one of the, the, uh, by the way, I, so you said organic, which is like a completely different thing. Cause usually that it has is to a, do with plants. It is a different thing, but, uh, and, and the use of pesticides and stuff like that. It, but, but they, they don't say put 5 billion chickens in a tiny little pen and then just pump them full of antibiotics to keep them alive long enough to kill them. Yeah. So if if you're buying organic farm uh, or meat type things, then you can almost always bet that they're free range because that's the only way to keep them healthy until it's time for slaughter. Oh, okay. I thought organic only applied to plant products like produce. I I didn't realize. They well, used that, you'll that see the meats. You'll see it hung on eggs and meats, and it it still has okay. to do with the. Uh, chemicals it, that are used in, in it, it it still has to do with these chemicals, especially for right, insecticides right. and things like that. But uh, okay, so I don't know. You so know what? I I see that label. Put it that way. I'm not yeah, I'm not yeah. defining it here. Maybe I'm wrong, but I see the label hung on meat. Right. Okay. So I, I uh, setting a you know not not worrying about organic for a minute. The the. Um, I think that there's something there, and I think that it, like the the thing with, uh, you know, the cases about you know compassion for animals. I think that there's a level of, um, um, I don't know, a, a, a certain a softness to you know. There, there's not something that you could put like a hard and strict line on. Well, mm-hmm. okay, here's where you crossed the line. And here's where you haven't. But I think that there is something there. So, and I think it has to do with this idea that, um, you know, God God created all the animals. And, you know, we know that even biblically, God created the animals, even though he brought them to Adam to name. And even though he then gave people dominion over the animals, nonetheless, he created those animals uh, with a particular animal nature that those animals has have developed now the 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 particular ways that the animals uh interact with each other and and relate to each other ecologically and so forth mm-hmm. um within the food change may have uh changed and adapted over the centuries and and over the millennia in different parts of the world and so forth but nonetheless there's there's this there's this plan in God's creation of animals. He made, you know, deer to, uh, you know, to 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 run through woods and, and feed in meadows. He made cows to uh, um, to to eat grass in fields and and various things like that. 
And so there's this sense that even though he gave them to us in order for us to use them, to get our meat from them, to get, you know, uh, leather products for, you know, maybe uh, uh, bags and and stuff or or clothing, um, and and even the plants, too, to get food and and textiles and so on and so forth. Um, It's this idea that in, in how we do that, we ought to at least in some measure and and the exact measure is where it becomes kind of soft and squishy in some measure do it in a way that cooperates with god's plan for that particular animal and or for that particular kind of animal that and so where we round them up and just stick them in a stall that's clearly not what god created that animal to be doing and that's where i think it's it's a uh Without being able, like I said, you can't draw a line, but I think you're build, there's a good moral case to be made that we oughtn't be doing it that way. Yeah, uh, that's that's probably the only time I've ever heard it put that way, and that 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 best describes uh, how I feel about that. You know, I uh, that's a that's a good way of putting it. And one of the things here is that the more removed man is from that whole process, the worse these things seem to get. So, well, that's true. uh, I mean, a farmer, a dedicated farmer who understands animals as something to be used would not want to do it that way. But when you've got corporations involved, it gets, it gets pushed further and further that way because the people at the top are removed from the whole process. And then of course the right, customers right. are as well, but, but I'm talking about the, the removing, but, you know, even the individual workers who, who work on that, it's, it's easy to find people who at one level, they might not be as comfortable with it, but they need the job. Right. And so they, they take the job, you know, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Do the chickens have large talents? <laughs> so I love that. But show. you know, the, in order in order to make themselves, in order to get by, they have to just make themselves okay with the job that they're capable of getting. Um, right, but very you know, few and, of them and, would probably want it that way. Yeah, pick to raise animals that way if they were raising them themselves. So that's yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, that's a good point because you know it, it, for, for people you know for whom well wait a minute meat meat what do you mean where does it come from it comes from the supermarket they manufacture yeah. it somewhere and put it in the supermarket yeah as if it's made in a factory but it's getting more <laughs> exactly. and more like it is made in a factory. I mean yeah yeah that's what a lot of these farms have become which. Seems like a bad direction, uh, even though it is producing tons of really cheap food. Um, yeah, but you know, I I don't think uh, I honestly I think the uh, okay it produces tons of cheap food, and there's lots of people for whom that is the is part of what allows I guess us to live in a you know a certain standard of living the way we do and that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's one of those things that 
if it weren't available to do it that way, as a society, we'd figure it out. We'd get by. It's not right. like, um, it's not like the availability of the cheap food is the thing that that suddenly caused a lot of people to be able to to uh, you know have nice houses and stuff. Because mm-hmm. if you look at things like like housing and 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 cars and other things like that. Uh, the costs of those are elevated so much um, because of other factors in society like the the easy availability of, say, loans um, to get these right. things and, and so on and so forth. And, and, the, and, and that causes people to not save up. And if they don't save up, then that means they're also, you know, spending their money, you know, all the money's going out on, on entertainment and this and that. Okay, if food just weren't quite as cheap because we didn't have these kind of industrialized, uh, you know, meat factories or whatever, um, we would work it out as a society. Mm-hmm. Um, society, and, and, especially and in America, a, yeah, yeah, and and in a free market society, we would still continue to improve our standard of living. We would continue to grow in terms of you know the the comfort that we. Uh, have available and in terms of the degree to which we we can reach the poor and and elevate them yeah uh, both both directly providing for them their their specific needs and giving them opportunities the you know to to give their kids education and that kind of stuff and and kind of get out of the cycle of poorness and so forth all of that would still be there without yeah. these industrialized uh, food, processes that we have it just might in some cases move a little slower and in some cases it might be a little bit better you you know there might be um hard for me to think of a specific like like mechanism that relates but yeah um there might be more for example jobs that actually involve uh dealing with animals that are not just these caged entities where you have to treat it like a machine yeah Otherwise, you lose a part of your humanity or something like that, you know? Yeah. And and you know what? I Okay. I think capitalism on its own would deal with these things properly. Um, Even now, I mean, I'm usually against whatever we're doing culturally. But right now, there is a cultural move to get back to uh, the basics of farming. And yeah, yeah, I think that would go much bigger if government weren't getting involved and making it harder for the smaller farmers. Yeah, a certain amount of deregulation of the food industry could really help these small farmers. Right. It, it's uh, it's one of those things that um, it's not at the top of the list because abortion and immigration are, but it's yeah. one of those things that I hope Trump uh deals with at some point because mm-hmm. I think he's probably the fairest person to deal with it and one thing Trump has always been against and he's talked about it over and over is crony capitalism and when you get to yeah. the FDA you're talking about crony capitalism <laughs> in a big way that's right that's right probably the most so. hidden way out of all the industries you know right so uh yeah so anyway, yeah, that's I, I think that that both in the in the 
um, in, like you said, the individual cases, those, those specific interactions, um, and in, you know, the other things that, that, you know, we look at sort of as a society, do we want to be a society that relies on certain kinds of farming practices and so on and so forth? Uh, I think in both cases, there's, um, perhaps differing, but, but nonetheless legitimate from a Catholic point of view, um, moral reasons to say, yeah, we've got to give into this, this inclination we have to have compassion for animals. Because that it, even, you know, it, it, we can say on the one hand it's built in and then we can analyze it coldly and say, yeah, but they don't really have rights. But to then end it there and not say, yeah, but, but there's a reason God put this compassion in us. Um, and there's a reason God designed all these various animals the way he did um, and, and so forth. And it's you know, I think, part of how they identify civilization, as you brought up first. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, you know what, it, two things. First of all, that reminds me of, I, I would compare it to when we talked about poverty and how we've got a one-on-one obligation to, to help the people that we see. Uh, or mm-hmm. at, at least given to our inclination to help people. And then there's another side of it where as society, we try to provide ways for the poor not to be poor. And right. so it, it's on a one-on-one scale and then it's on a much bigger cultural scale that uh, we should at least be moving towards. Right, right. Uh, also, uh, it... it uh, it reminds me of uh, Philip K. Dick's uh, the the book that Blade Runner came from. Was it when and do androids oh, dream do of Android. electronic sheep? Uh, yeah, yeah. That was how they identified the androids: is that the androids couldn't uh, experience empathy, and mm-hmm. it was even a conflict with the androids. They would. They were angry at human beings because human beings were showing off the fact that they could experience empathy. Because in, in Philip K. Dick's world, and this is recurring through almost all of his work, empathy is what really sets us apart from everything else. Yeah, he was he was really big on that. In fact, in, in Electric Sheep, he had that, um, there was that... Uh... Oh, the, kind of the like empathy a, like a box. Religion. What was it called? What? There was the empathy box. And I. Yeah. And then there was that guy and all he was doing was like walking up a mountain or something like that. And people would like tap into it. And experience and it, was it like, together. So that it they was could becoming feel like, like where the government was trying to shut it down or something like that. Right. And, and, and I don't know if that was actually supposed to be kind of like a, an attempt on the part of, of like androids to, or, or or something like that. Right. The androids were upset because they couldn't use the empathy box. They couldn't do it. Right. Right. Um, and and that was a, that was a reoccurring theme with him. Uh, aside from just the, the actual empathy box, there were a couple other short stories that he talked about him. Mm hmm. So, uh, I can't think of, Oh, you know what? Uh, another question that, that I often hear, Catholics talk about 
and it really doesn't have anything to do with what we've talked about so far, but are animals in heaven? What do you oh. think? Um, okay, so it's defined that the animals that are here now, when they die, they die completely. The, the soul they have that animates them ceases to exist when the animal dies. Okay. And therefore, that animal is not in heaven. Uh, it is speculated, and I think disputed back and forth, but I think certainly acceptable uh, for us to believe that in heaven, or at least in the new earth, when there's a new heaven and a new earth, that in the um you know the afterlife as we experience it that there will be a physical existence that will include animals but they will not be the resurrected animals from this world right did you just are you there yeah okay every now and then your phone does really weird things uh, yeah, I th- I think it's when I get a text message or something like that. Okay. Terry's trying to buy a mattress and and uh, she's texting me about a sale uh-huh. that's going on and stuff like that. Um, yeah, uh, I guess the the idea there is that right now, before the fall, the animals were here, and it was a way to glorify God. It was part of the glory of God, this creation of yeah. His, and there's. There's not a whole lot of reason to think that it won't be a part of uh, his glory in the afterlife, in our afterlife. Now, here's a question. In this world, and and, and here's something that that I I think people have gone back and forth, and all we can do is speculate it. I I don't think either one of us is qualified to to answer this, but it's an interesting question. So in this world, even before the fall, uh, among animals, there was the, you know, an ecology of life and food and so forth. The, you know, uh, there were predators and there were prey among the animals before the fall. Certain animals right. killed other animals in order to, to eat and live and so forth. So when you think about like the, the form of a lion, why is a lion made the way it's made with its sharp claws and its teeth able to rip flesh and that kind of stuff? It's because that's how it has to, uh, Eat. how it has to live. That's, yeah. you know, that's how it eats and so on and so forth. So then if there's, if there are going to be animals in, in the next world, obviously they are not going to be dangerous to us, uh, no matter what they're, you know, made of. But will there still be an ecology of food chain? Will animals, will there be animals who live by killing other animals? Or will animals in the next world simply be perpetually alive uh, the, way, the way we will be then? And will we eat That's, them? Oh, and will we eat animals or will we not eat at all? You know, the, I think most right. people think, well, it's, it's going to be our glorified bodies. And so we'll have the, you know... We'll have the 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 material, uh, you know, informed by our souls, but 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 it's going to be at a glorified state that we don't need to eat, we don't need to sleep, and so on and so, so forth. So, in the glorified but, state, is that a return to our state before the fall, or is no, it a no. new thing that it's, we had it's never? It's an experienced? elevation of that. Okay. Right. No, it's something that we've never experienced. It'll be an elevation of that because even before the fall, we had to eat and that kind of stuff, and and we were going to grow and and so right. forth. 
well, we, we won't, you know, that aspect of it won't be there anymore. Okay. Um, I, I think all the theologians pretty much agree on that. Okay. Um, it is a good thing to think about because uh, it keeps your brain busy, but I have uh, not thought about that. Uh, so <laughs> I don't have an answer. I have pondered on whether or not, uh, are you saying, has it, is it accepted that before the fall, uh, lions would try to catch deer and eat them? I think so. Yeah, I think I, I heard even Aquinas says that. Yeah, okay. the, the nature of the the animals in the animal world and their relations with each other did not change as a result of the fall. Only their relations with us. So they became dangerous to us. Okay. In ways that they weren't. Have you ever uh, but, uh, Have you ever read Mark Twain's? Uh, uh the diary of adam and eve yes that was yeah, it's kind of funny it was very funny and there was that time when he went out and everything was fine and then all of a sudden all the animals are killing each other <laughs> he's trying to figure out what would yeah. happen <laughs> oh okay <laughs> and then he kept saying and water came out of the place where she sees <laughs> oh whenever she would cry <laughs> yeah <laughs> That was, that was, that's one of my favorite uh, books by him. Not even a book; it's more of a short story. Yeah, but it's, it's hilarious. just a kind of a right. It is funny. Okay, um, I don't have too much more to say on this subject. Okay, well, why don't we turn to some current events? Okay, then? so the big thing right now, especially for uh, us here in Ohio, is these uh, tornadoes that went through. Uh. Especially for Dayton, which is yeah about an hour up north of Cincinnati. That's where yeah my son just moved there. Jeremy really just moved. To oh, Dayton. that's right, he yeah. did. See, he after being after being um, in a hurricane after being forced to leave Tyndall because of the hurricane. Wow, has <laughs> uh, has he had any experiences yeah, with his, it? Or? Yeah, no, his his place is fine. That you know okay, the, uh, but it's just kind of ironically funny. That is. That is ironic. Uh, yeah, because just this last year is when he moved here because of the hurricane. Yeah. Huh. Um, I don't personally know anyone who was affected by the tornadoes, but uh, some pretty widespread devastation. Um, you know, I've, I don't... Here's the thing about tornadoes. You'll notice they usually miss cities. And I think it's because of the things like air currents and stuff that are created by uh, concrete and buildings and things like that. Right, right. That, that makes sense. I mean, they, they do occasionally hit cities, but if you look at the paths yeah. of tornadoes, they seem to go around the developed it's cities. It's usually rural and suburbs, right. You see five billion trailer parks, but never the middle of the city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so, you know, our prayers go out to them. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So one of the first settlements came out of, um, these opioid, uh, producers. Um, I think Teva Pharmaceutical Industries, um, has agreed to pay $85 million to the state of Oklahoma in connection with the... Uh, opioid epidemic 
So okay, I, I, opioid epidemic. You, are you talking about people who are misusing uh, prescription drugs like, people, like OxyContin, yeah. or well, or, people or are you go talking from about like street drugs like heroin, both. cocaine? Both, because they uh-huh. start with Vicodin and then maybe try to buy more of that, and then eventually move to heroin because you can't, unless you're rich, you're not going to be able to buy enough uh, per- Percocets. To really feel high for, um, you know, you build up resistance to it, and yeah, and uh, pharmaceutical drugs are very expensive on the street, so that's why everybody seems to move to heroin and why it's such an epidemic, and they're blaming it mostly back all the way to the pharmaceutical companies who are peddling in it. So what what is the cha- charge to the pharmaceutical companies that they shouldn't be selling them to doctors? I I mean they're not selling to doctors, but they shouldn't yeah, be selling them to I, that that they shouldn't create the drugs. I guess it's that they shouldn't have pushed them as much, and I think some of it goes back to the the claims made by them when they first made things like oxycotton telling doctors that no this is not addictive oh or okay misleading as addictive because if if they knew if doctors knew the level of addictiveness then the doctors could treat their patients better not as many people right. would get hooked okay that's the that, idea uh, i i can't really say whether or not i i i i don't know i, I this whole mess is uh well it at to... least make it, it it makes it seem like a legitimate case to me because yeah. If you just say, well, gee, you shouldn't be making the drugs. Well, wait a minute. Well, well, some people you know, need them. and <laughs> Yeah, that's... that's I mean, what the... Okay. All right. Um, okay, so these Australian helicopters, um, they were out in the South China Sea. And okay. uh, they made an emergency landing after being targeted by lasers from fishing boats. Oh, wow. Uh so like they were, so the fishing like targeted boats are by lasers. Yeah, and then the um, you say targeted? Do you, do you mean like well, the fishing boats had like laser guided? No, I think they they were launchers? just pointing lasers at them, maybe to harass them. Oh, uh, like I, I'm not pen, sure. Pen really. Light lasers and stuff, right? Okay. But the thing is that the uh, the uh, they landed on a flagship. And that flagship had been trailed, was being trailed by a Chinese warship. Oh, wow. So, I, you know, China seems to do a lot of these weird little things that seem disconnected from the main Chinese government. Uh-huh. Kind of the way uh, Russia does, where there yeah. seems to be a lot of... It doesn't... On one hand, it's like this is conspiracy. On the other hand, it's like these are a bunch of little guys acting on their own, doing things like this. And remember a couple months ago, we had the people who were poisoned. And then before yeah. that, we had, I think there were, they had used sound waves to make them feel sick in, in one of the embassies in China. Just little oh, things like wow. that. Uh, it's It just seems that they're aggressive. But they are aggressive in ways that you can't point to and say that was aggressive. Well, China seems to do that kind of stuff a lot. And this is one example. Uh, And these are Australian uh, fishermen. I don't don't know. No, they're in helicopter. I don't know what they were doing in the South China Sea. 
Is is right. Australia attached to the South China Sea? Uh, well, let's see. I mean, it's it's certainly uh, yeah, China's way- okay. Mm-hmm. No, they're not really attached to the South China Sea. South China Sea's way up right south of China, and between those, you've got these islands like Indonesia and the Philippines and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the question is whether the South China Sea is considered international waters. Right. Yeah, maybe they shouldn't have been in the South China Sea. Uh, but there are some, you know, there's a lot of islands out there, and it, it's possible that Australia more or less owns some of these islands. Oh, right, right. You know, like like in the uh, in the Pacific. You know, we've got things like Honolulu. That's pretty far away from America. But then mm-hmm. even going all the way to the Philippines, where um, where it's a lot closer to Japan and China. But it, that is a... The Philippines are U.S. territory, isn't it? Or, well, they um, were at one time, anyway. Yes. They... they well, I don't know about a... Um, I don't know about a territory. I know that, that we've had... Um, I mean, you're, you're thinking like like Puerto Rico is, for example. I don't I don't know if it was uh, like that, but but we've always had a uh, we've had interests there, a, a strong presence there. Yeah, yeah I mean, even uh, before World War Two, or maybe during World War Two. Um, but okay, so I, I, it is what it is, uh, and like I said, these things seem to happen a lot with China. Little little weird things like that that. Uh, you couldn't point that to say and say that's an act of war, but it just seems harassment happens a lot with China yeah. and uh, free countries. Okay, so um, remember the telescope we talked about last week that is discovering all these little uh, exoplanets? Yeah. So they've picked up one that is so close to the sun that most of the elements are vaporized. Huh. And through that, they're able to um, detect rare earth elements and see things about them. I, I think the idea here is that they're seeing things that they could not witness here on this exoplanet. See, you mean... Uh... They're finding out information about this exoplanet that they wouldn't be able to find out here on Earth because of how hot it is about the elements. Okay. About about certain elements. And, and okay. they're, they're discovering... They, okay, they when they described it, they called it... Uh, they are discovering new species. And I assume that either means a, sta- a state... Of elements. Of elements or, a, or maybe a new element. Uh, I'm thinking maybe new elements, like heavier elements or something on the periodic chart. Huh. See, I never understood that. What, it, the periodic chart, I mean, if you wanted to say we have a new element, is it something you have to actually develop or and look at? Or can't you just... I mean, the periodic chart well, isn't that um, theoretical. I mean, we just list all the elements, uh, and we add an electron, and we add a proton, and then there. Is that a new element? Well, yeah, but they don't... I mean, you know... Would, in, do you have to have some kind of proof that that could exist 
or that, and, that that it does exist. I think they don't bother adding an element. They they won't give an element a name and add it to the chart until they actually uh, have either discovered mm-hmm. or forced that element to exist. Now sometimes these heavier elements uh, they're highly radioactive and they have such short half lives that that they can like create the element out of you know like like fusion. Um, you know, okay. by by bombarding particles together, and then they create this this bigger nucleus in the middle, and then that exists only maybe for a few microseconds before it decays, and then it turns into something else that's already on the chart. But in that few microseconds, they've managed to detect that this element actually does exist, and that the nucleus actually is holding together. Okay. Um, and, and so then they give it a name and they, they put it on the chart and, and so forth. Now, how exactly they go about determining all that, I mean, I, I you know, there's, there's so much math right. and, and uh, that kind of stuff involved. But it's possible that when it's superheated, they're able to see uh, information about the nucleus because of the kinds of, of light rays that get emitted from the, right. the the gaseous form of the element or something They're like that. They're saying they could study the spectra of elements in yeah. this planet's atmosphere, finding iron and titanium atoms. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, and, and when they say the spectra, usually the spectra actually comes from... Um, the light shining maybe. through the atmosphere, right? Well, what I was going to say is that it, it has to do with um, the electrons more than the nucleus because what happens is when it heats up, the electrons will uh, like momentarily jump into, it'll absorb enough heat to jump into another orbital with, with higher energy and then the electron will give off that energy and go back to its, its resting orbital and when it does that, it emits a particular it emits a photon, a particular okay. frequency of light, and exactly which orbital it jumped between decides what frequency of light is represented by that photon. So when they have all these different electrons in a um, in an element and they're all jumping and then coming back, and depending on where you know which orbitals they have and how many and how many electrons at each orbital especially the outer orbitals and mm-hmm. stuff like that they can get a picture because of the spectrum of light by looking at okay this line means that there's elements in this that there's electrons in this orbital and this line means there's electrons in this orbital and the fact that we have these three lines together means that we've got so many electrons in this orbital and this orbital right you know, below it in energy is full and some of the electrons are coming back up and down. You know, so I, I don't understand it all, but that's basically what they do when they look at the spectrum of an element. Yeah. They're looking at the light emitted by electrons as they as they fall back down into their rest orbitals after being heated up into a higher orbital. And it's always very discreet. The electro, It's never... It, an electron will never absorb a certain amount of energy or absorb like, you know, a some random continuous amount of energy and then release that amount. It's always going to jump, absorb enough until it jumps up into a higher orbital and then it's going to release exactly a specific amount as it jumps back down and release a proton corresponding to that frequency of light. When you hear him say orbital, you're thinking about the electrons that that go around and around the neutron or the... uh, 
oh, nucleus. The, the nucleus, right. And then they they have levels the same way you might have levels of planet orbitals. You've got, you know, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, and they go out to the to the outside orbital and then jump back in. And uh, in case you don't know what he's talking about. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this planet is... It's 650 light years from Earth, and it's only, okay. they're saying 6 million kilometers, well, no, that would be 3 million miles from its star. Um, it goes wow. around the star in just one and a half days, and the atmospheric temperature is uh, over 7,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It yeah, it would be the hottest exoplanet we've discovered. So just just for um, comparison, to, to to give people an idea, the Earth in our solar system is ninety three million miles away from the Sun. Uh, Mercury, which is the closest planet to our Sun, is thirty five million miles away from the Sun. Yeah. So this planet is a tenth of the distance that Mercury is from our Sun. From its star. All right. Uh, let's see. Maine has just become the 17th state to ban conversion therapy for minors. This is terrible. Uh, conversion therapy. You're talking about like this transgender stuff? Well, yeah. If you're gay and uh, you think you'd like to not be gay, so you go to a therapist who would help you. Oh, are you sure? I... Well, let me, uh... So, okay, so they're not talking about transgender therapy. They're talking about, about, like... You know what? I I assumed it was one okay, thing. Okay, they're talking about... No, you're, you're right. They're talking about sexual yeah. orientation. Yeah, it's terrible. So if you've got yeah, a kid who doesn't want to be gay, and he is gay, you cannot take him to therapy. You're, you're not allowed to give him therapy. Yeah. Because it's no longer a choice. Now, now you know, it's, it's stopped being about about freedom and now it's right it's become a a club to you know hit people over the wait, head wait, it's like uh yeah it, it's not it's not about freedom which was my problem with uh the gay marriage it wasn't going to be about mm-hmm. freedom it never would be nope um that's right you know it's a, it when people talk about freedom and gays it reminds me of when when people talk about uh, the Civil War and say that it was about states' rights, which it, we all know that it was not about states' rights. Uh, it was always about slavery. And the way we know that is that the Constitution of the Confederacy made it uh, illegal to, for a state to outlaw slavery. Yeah. So no so state they took away states' rights right. within their confederacy. So you can't come up with that argument that it's about states' rights. And you can't come up with the argument that uh, homosexuality is about anyone's right. It is right. it is it, it's not about it's being freedom. forced on they, people. Yep. And and it's it's since since the o- o- Gerberfeld decision, it's been used as a as a bully club. Time and again, you know the, the yeah. you know whether you know the all, all of the, the the photographer the cake things. Now there's the the people uh, with the um, 
I don't know, I forget who they are, like an apple orchard farm or something like that, where they will, you know, host events and stuff like that. But they say, well, no, we're not going to do gay marriages. So now they're being attacked. Um, it's, yeah, it, it's absolutely yeah. a... Uh, and and all along it was intended as that way it's it's that's the thing it's it's not even ever been about anybody wanting right uh, a particular freedom the whole thing was concocted in bad faith it has always been uh about trying to undermine a certain um you know way of religious outlook yeah. and specifically christianity yeah and 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 you know honestly it's time christians stop feeling uh afraid of being called bigots by calling them out on that right yeah that's, that's i mean even the, christians will say uh i have no problem if you want to do that why why do we have to specify well, that every time we talk about yeah. gays i mean i no i don't have a problem if joe wants to be with joe but i do have a problem with putting it in my face so don't yeah. talk to me about joe and joe you guys do your thing, yeah. but I don't want to see it or hear it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so uh, we got, okay, Trump is uh, putting these tariffs on Mexico now. Um, we're starting with a 5% import tariff, and he's going to step it up to 25% until Mexico does something to deal with the these caravans oh and such. the the yeah. caravans coming through that you know, and the that's, drugs I, coming I mean, into here and stuff like that right exactly well what's the option i mean you know it's we in our country suffer so much i mean look at how much uh suffering in our country we can point to mexico and say in some way or another it's coming from there you're looking at uh, inner city gang violence. You're looking at at drug distribution gangs. Um, you're looking at at all of the drug addictions that that they cause and and promote and perpetuate. Um, and of course, the human trafficking. And, and and then there's human trafficking as well, which I don't think people have even a very good uh, handle on on how widespread. Yeah, that is. I don't think we know. But, but you know, so much of this. Okay, there there would always be a little bit of, of local of it. You know, think about. Okay, you've got your local meth labs and stuff like that. Yeah, those are small players. This stuff is coming from these cartels in Mexico, and the Mexican government, whether uh, whether through just corruption or um, ineptitude or whatever, they're not dealing with it on their end, and they're letting right. it affect us. So yeah, I mean. Okay, the, if you look at it coldly from a strictly trade uh, and economics perspective, there might be ways you could point out that it, it might be, you know, non-optimal or something like that. But, you know, Trump's got to, you know, as the president, he's got to look at things in more than a purely economic point of view. Right. When it comes to his his relations, the, the relations, you know, that we, the United States, are going to have with other countries. And when it comes to Mexico, I think this is a big one. I think, uh, you know, yeah. I, I I hope that that he succeeds in, in accomplishing what he's setting out to accomplish here. And I wish these other Republicans would get behind him, get a little bit on board with it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, 
Louisiana just signed a, a heartbeat. Well, the governor just signed a heartbeat heartbeat bill. Um, right. It is uh, its effective date is tied to the Mississippi law, oh, okay. which has already been temporarily blocked by the federal court. So we're just we're just waiting, just like before, and keep yeah. keep praying for Kavanaugh. No one knows if he's going to yep. cave or not. He needs I prayers. Know. That's the thing. He's he's. Uh, I'm a little scared. You know, he's going to be under a lot of pressure. Um, but yeah, let's let's keep praying for him. Yeah, I, I would say even fast. Maybe. Yeah. I, I think too. it'd be a good time for Catholics to start fasting for this because. Yep. We could actually do this, but uh, people like Kavanaugh have to hold strong to their convictions and do the right thing. Right. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. That's uh, I don't know, maybe we can get some kind of I don't I don't know how to start a campaign of fasting for for a particular cause like this. Well, if we can, um, if all three of our listeners will uh, go ahead and fast next week. <laughs> yeah, once <laughs> pick 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 uh, you know one one day a week to fast or something like that, or maybe yeah. maybe a couple days a week to fast until until uh, um, it happens. You know, maybe. Or something exactly, happens. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, okay. South or North Korea's. Okay, South Korea is saying that oh. North Korea uh, executed five officials back in March. Oh um, wow! And it, it had something to do with their uh, nuclear envoy to the U.S. Um, they're not really saying what it was about, but. Um, I guess you would say that North Korea seems to be going backwards. And South Korea is... I think they're trying to point out that North Korea was never on board to begin with. With Trump's vision of denuclearizing them. Right, right. Well, and I... I mean, you know, I'll have to wait and see how it pans out. I was always kind of surprised and... uh, I guess skeptical, but but more surprised at Trump's um, right. seeming uh, the ease regard that for for North Korea and Kim Jong Un. I mean, like Trump seemed to to want to even cut in some slack and stuff, and it's like, right? Why are you trusting him? You know, I I, I and and I still don't get it. I still don't know where it, where it came from, but but you know, whatever it is, hopefully Trump will either, you know, m- maybe it was some kind of gambit trump was playing um i think to, it is to try to you know make him want to be in better relations with the u.s or whatever but but whatever it is i i you know i hope i think trump i think takes the same kind of hard line that he has in other cases right i i, I personally think that trump um knew this for what it was from the beginning and thought all right i'm gonna try to do it peacefully and he tried, and it's starting to look like it was a failure. In which case, I think, I think he'll react appropriately when the time comes. But mm-hmm. I, he's one of those people you you. He doesn't let other countries know what he's thinking. I think. Right. I, I mean, he. Anytime he meets with someone, he's nice to him, no matter what the foreign policy is. And he says, we can be good friends and we can do this. Look at China. 
you know, he he went and and he actually uh, praises China's leader, but the tariffs are still there. Right. Right. And when he when he comes up to him, he shakes hands and he smiles and he says, let's make a deal. But the tariffs are still there. Yeah. And he's taking hard lines. He's got a a lot of uh, um, sanctions on North Korea and he's not dropping them. And he flat out said, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to drop them until they're denuclearized. I got to say that, but denuclearized. I'm drinking this beer on Sunday morning. It's affecting me a little bit. Um, yeah, don't drink beer on a Sunday morning. Okay, huh? let's see. We've got two more quick ones. Uh, Eddie Gallagher, U.S. Navy SEAL, was charged with murder of an ICE. Why, why do they say ISIL prisoner? ISIS. What's the difference between ISIL and ISIS? Uh, the Islamic State of... Um is of of uh, what's the uh, Islamic state of Iran and and Syria versus Iran and Libya maybe with Libya or something like that I don't know it, it's it's the same yeah, thing I, I, the, I, they're basically the same organization yeah. they're the enemy it's basically the imperialist Islamic state that the terrorist imperialist Islamic state okay Eddie which, Gallagher I mean, killed the face of Islam yeah. Eddie Gallagher killed one of the enemy who happened to have been a prisoner. Um, now, they had attempted murder of civilians on him and a bunch of other goofy things. Um, but I I guess, I think Trump set him free. He didn't pardon him. But okay. Trump is looking into pardoning him. So, so he's... What, what, what was the actual circumstances? I mean, is it like a prisoner died and they're just blaming it on him? Or do they think... No, he actually killed he actually, someone. Uh, while the guy was in prison. I mean, it's wrong to do that, even if the guy was was an ISIL guy, but... Right. Um, uh, we don't know the circumstances of that, though. Right. But it just seems... It seems unlikely, because once they're imprisoned... I mean, okay, it's like SEAL Team 6. Okay, they killed... They could have taken, for example, um, Bin Laden prisoner. They killed him instead. That was their mandate. Kill Bin Laden. Right. They weren't going to take him prisoner. Okay. So they went in and they did that. But, you know, in the United States, it, you know, especially somebody as disciplined as a SEAL team member, for them to just kind of go rogue like that and take it on themselves to kill somebody who's already in you know yeah I, I don't know um i don't i he I pleaded not guilty no i don't think it is he okay. pleaded not guilty and he's going to try on june 10th okay we'll see and we'll see then. uh trump is looking into um um pardoning him i i kind of hope he does i i think we've gone we've gone nuts on these soldiers who are over there to do a job and uh jason brought it up and I guess when it comes to things like this, I kind of, I I tend to lean towards Jason's point of view uh, more than anyone else's on these things because he was over there. Um, oh, right. And if nothing else, he deserves that much um, consideration of what he says about it. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, his, his point is that we trained a bunch of guys to go over there and kill and we're putting all kinds of guys in prison for killing people. And it, it's... Some of the cases are outright ridiculous. Yeah. 
So I don't yeah, know about that's... this one specifically, but um, I don't know. I, I do know that there's been this huge political push to punish um, soldiers who are doing their jobs. And yeah. when you yeah, compare I mean... the soldiers... Uh, way of behaving compared to something like oh, what was going on in Vietnam and uh, things like that it's like look there, there is no comparison our soldiers are a lot more professional than soldiers throughout the world are right and soldiers who even in America used to be so um, uh, it feels like a lot of these soldiers are in jail because of uh, to score political points yep yeah, must be, must be, and and I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's something Trump can do about it, but yeah, I I think he is. At, I hope he's doing a lot more than we see him doing about things like this. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Well, anyway, there was a there was a shooting over in Virginia Beach, and uh, I don't I don't know if we know anything about the shooter yet. Uh, but did, did you hear about it? No. Um, this Virginia happened. Shooting. I'm gonna look this up. This happened quick. the other day. Um, the a guy who was like a, a uh, worked at the public works office or whatever mm-hmm. came in and just started shooting people. Um, Plan to quit city job. Okay. I have not seen He's an employee anything people about his reasons for doing it. Building. He had submitted his resignation hours earlier. That makes me think it's probably not a Muslim thing. No, it sounds like a... a Just a go-crazy thing. Disgruntled public employee thing. Yeah. Because he was a a city employee, so he's a public employee. You know, it's only the public employees that really go postal, (laughs) it seems. Um, And, I mean, that's where we even got the term, right? You know why? I'll tell you why. Because you got people who might have all kinds of talents, and we touched on this one time, and they get a job at somewhere like the post office that has great benefits, great insurance, great retirement. It doesn't matter how much you hate that job. You cannot quit it. I think that's why people go postal. Wait a minute. What's that? You got someone who could have done all kinds of things who had a lot of talent but at an early age they got a job at the post office once you're getting paid at the post office you're part of this uh, union and you're getting paid a lot more than you would for that kind of labor anywhere else oh okay and then the benefits are are better and everything about the job and you have a, a, a retirement plan and everything you just you can't quit that job so instead of quitting people hold on to these jobs that make them absolutely miserable i think that's why people go postal could be and that would explain the correlation with with public employees yeah because they public employees get paid a lot more than than they would for doing the same job if they were working for a company if you work in a factory, and, and you know, chances are you can get paid similar pay for doing similar work at a different factory where you know yeah. maybe you like the manager better or whatever. And if you don't like it, you find a way to get out of it to get a better job instead yeah. of just working it because 
you figure I got to just spend my 30 years here so I get retirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point because yeah, once you've got that first five years invested, it's like well, okay, you know, I've got you know, it, it, I've got time invested towards retirement. It's not like it's not like it just accumulates a certain amount in a 401k that you can take and roll over somewhere else. Right. So yeah, yeah, good point. Good point. All right, that's all, all I right, got. So. All right. Uh, well, we've got a few things from the uh, news from the nation of nonsense. Yeah. One of them, no surprise, is from Walmart. Oh, now, good. This is, uh... I love Walmart stories. <laughs> well, this isn't as crazy as some of the others. I just had to bring this up. It's 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 actually kind of cute more than funny. Um, so in Texas, a. Uh, a shopper was uh, shocked at Walmart. They went to get a cart and they found kind of coiled up within the carts. You know how you kind of run the carts together and they yeah. stack up. Um, was a black rat snake. Yeah. A big one. Uh, they show a guy holding it. Uh, it's probably about two and a half uh, to three feet long. Um, you know, I've never and, seen a black uh, rat snake. Yeah, I I've mean, never... they're, they're constrictors, so Are it's they? not, like, poisonous or dangerous or anything. Yeah, they're not rattlesnakes or anything like that. Yeah, I know, but I thought they just... I didn't know they are actually constrictors. Yeah. Huh. Um, I, so They're in they, this uh... area. I've never seen one. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, no, I don't think I've ever seen one either. But uh, they, <laughs> I guess he decided he needed to hang out at the Walmart and yeah. check out the sales or, or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> buy a dozen rats for a nickel yeah that's right <laughs> tried to see if somebody will wheel him into the pet department <laughs> maybe it was a maybe it was in the pet department and got loose didn't know <laughs> somehow what to do. got loose and got out that's right <laughs> anyway they uh they called a local guy uh known as or his name is john uh heckerman he's known as the snake charmer from, oh yeah uh, savannah and he he came and got the snake and helped relocate it um so they have a comment though that said heavy rains are forcing a lot of the snakes out of their natural habitats and then they turn up you know in odd places where was this so i guess that makes sense too this is in texas oh okay but close to savannah okay Close to Savannah, Texas, not Savannah, Georgia. I so. All right, so that's that's what that's the Walmart news. <laughs> they they actually called a snake charmer. They called the the guy is known as the snake charmer because he's real good with snakes. Why didn't they like like say they called a snake guy? The manager just oh okay I'll grab it and grab it and maybe walk to say, behind okay. there to the woods and say here throw it out there. Let me th- Throw it in the woods. Exactly. That's that's what you'd think. If right? you found a snake in your by. work parking lot, uh, I guess that the most I you would, would call the other employee. Hey, hey, look what I found! And then, hey, look at this. I'd take a few pictures, and then I'd say, "Well, let's let's put it over in these woods so it doesn't get run over or something like that." Yeah. Actually, you know, I don't like Actually, snakes. I'd, I'd probably I'd be kill as it. Likely, I'd be as likely to cut it in half myself. <laughs> that's that's what I would do. Kind of well. It depends on where. Now, our our uh, current show notwithstanding. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. Because when I lived in Cleves, uh, I mean, we we were we were like right on the edge of country. So one mm-hmm. of the things, if you're in a house like that, one of the things you get a lot of are field mice and stuff like that. 
but oh right at our house we I I don't think I ever saw a mouse. Uh huh. What I did find were snakes. Oh well, that's actually in the house. Mice. Mice. Yeah. So mm-hmm. and the snakes, uh, they they stay away from you. They don't leave turds all over your your uh, cabinet, you know, in like the food. And so I was like, you know what? Like they don't they don't crawl into your bed because of your body warmth. Not garter snakes. Oh okay. I never found one anyway, but I went ahead and I I kind of more or less tolerated the snakes. I I mean I I would see one like once every three or four months. I would see one in the basement. Oh okay. And yeah, it, it was an unfinished deal. basement, so it wasn't a huge yeah. deal. You, you were going to get snakes in that basement, right? So I was fine with the snakes as long as we didn't get mice, and we never did get mice. Uh huh. And it was a very old house. It's not like the mice were kept out somehow. Right, right. No, that's uh, that, that was uh, probably a, a working uh, symbiosis between you and the snakes yeah. there. Okay, what do we got next? Okay, both of the next two come from England. And, and you know, I whenever things happen in England, I say, what can you expect from a country that requires you to get a license to watch TV, as England does? I did not know they do that. Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah, no. To, That's to, weird. In fact, they have, yeah, they have these these. I mean, it's supremely weird. And they even have police that have these these special equipment that are designed to be able to pick up, um, like targeted, like look, directional radio waves that are emitted by the electronics of TVs are you kidding me? as they operate. I am not kidding you. Yeah, so that they can, and then they look up the address. Oh wait, they didn't have their TV license, and they go and bust them. No, seriously, it's it's. It's. I mean, are these laws tied somehow to like copyrights or something like that, no, or is it just no, no? It's it's just the the British sense that that everything about society has to be regulated. That's 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 a British concept. That's even insane. though they even though they gave us the parliamentary system uh, as a way of making the regulations a little bit closer to the people, they still have a mindset that that. Oh gosh, you can't have people doing their own thing. No, that's wow. that's a very British thing. That's I. It's you know. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I like about England, but, um, but, Jeez. You know, like I said, what can you expect from a society? You know, from a country with with right. uh, rules like that. So what do we got? So from anyway, there? I guess so. A pet cat. Uh, here's here's a uh, you know you could just let people do their own stuff, but a pet cat like went missing from somebody after two weeks it showed up on some kind of a bridge the the royal albert bridge um and they were trying to coax it out they had catnip and other stuff like that to to try to rescue it um they spent like in in turn in i guess in manpower and and stuff seventy five hundred dollars um they were going to close the tracks while they rescued the cat and stuff wow. like that um, and well, <laughs> but here's the thing, it, it gets, uh, funnier. They spent, uh, let's see, the cat had been missing for a couple of weeks and they spent like six days trying to rescue the cat after they found the cat on the bridge and it, it just didn't, uh, you know, come out and let them pick it up and take it down. Jeez. <laughs> So then they, they all, you know, after that sixth day, it's like, okay, well, let's, let's pack it up. We'll come back tomorrow again and, and try again. 
Yeah. And dur- during the night, the cat went home. <laughs> <laughs> I. <laughs> Jeez. I, I know. That right? whole thing is just wrong on so many levels. I know. Even after this uh, podcast on animal rights or uh, sympathy for animals, animal it's just like, come right, on. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jeez. Okay, so, you know, one for the cat, zero for the, yeah. the British uh, patrol and so forth. Jeez. I guess probably firemen or whatever. Okay, the second one, again from England... Uh, somebody found a, uh, a, a device, um, in the, uh, let's see, washed up shore on the Thames, the, uh, the River Thames. Yeah. And, uh, so they're thinking it was like some kind of an explosive device. The police department was called. They came down. Um, there's a picture of it they posted on Twitter. And it turns out it is a Christmas ornament. <laughs> the device. <laughs> and here's the thing. It's like, I'm looking at a picture of it. It's obviously a Christmas ornament. It's a round bulb. <laughs> you know, the standard glass bulbs. I mean, it's a little bit slimy on the outside from the river. It's got the little metal cap on the top with the little hoop through the cap that you can ho- put the hook into. Um... You know, people people talk about Europe as, like, that's the way we ought to be as. Like, anytime they talk about new, introducing laws in Europe, they always, or in America, they point to Europe and say, well, they've been doing that for years. I, you know, like the, like the bathroom idiots. laws. And it's like, you know, I mean, do you really yeah. want to be like these people? <laughs> no way. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. That's that's you know. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's all I got. Okay. Uh, wow, we got almost. We're coming close to two hours here. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. We are going to say goodbye and think about what we said and circle and the beads. Circle the beads. And, uh, right. yeah, maybe fast a little for these abortion laws. That's right. We'll, we'll come up with some kind of a, a like a, a thing, a, a set a suggested thing. thing. Yeah. That we can all do together. So, you yeah. know, cause, cause when you do things together as, as a group, it, it can be more efficacious. Right. So. All right. Bye all folks. Right. Bye everyone.